Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everyone, my name is the Renegade Statman and a very warm welcome to a very special episode where we're joined by a man who doesn't need any introductions, but I went through too many stats to not list a few of them. 106 Premier League goals, 55 goals for Ipswich Town in 142 appearances and he scored 50 of those goals before his 21st birthday, which is, which is a record. So very warm welcome to you, Darren. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So um, uh, what, what are you up to at the moment? I, I see, uh, I keep up updated from your, your Twitter feed. If, you, if you're not asking, uh, if people aren't asking you questions when you're sitting on a train, you're, you're also on Talk Sport. Yeah, so obviously the media starts going well. Um, as you said there, at Talk Sport every day, pretty much. Uh, well, I will be for next season. Um, doing obviously a lot of the Sky stuff, a lot of the Premier League uh, production stuff as well. So now it's going, it's going really well. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones, I'd have to say that when I retired, it was almost like there was a kind of pathway laid out for me. Like I'd spoke to a few companies um, about doing some work down there and it's kind of just transition from there. It's going well, I enjoy it. I tried the whole coaching, just wasn't for me. Like I, I tried it, I loved it while I was there, but the moment I left the, the training ground, I kind of forgot about it. So that's when I knew that that, that kind of path weren't for me. But no, I enjoy the media stuff. Um, it's going well and obviously long may continue. Yeah, good stuff. Darren's very good, by the way. I've done a couple of Premier League TVs. Uh, gigs with him and a lot of pundits on TV now obviously I've done a bit of TV work as well and they're only interested in clickbaits what will make viral clips and stuff like that and people don't really go into the actual football and the details and the key elements of striking a ball or a tactical thing and Darren has got that off to a tee and remember speaking to Darren in the green room at one of the places and you were saying about JJ, Jermaine Genus was probably yeah. inspiration because um, JJ 
is obviously being touted as the next Gary Gary Lineker. And like I say, I don't say this just because Darren's here. Um, Darren's on a great path. Uh, he's very good at the media, and it, it, it them two, the media and Darren, have fitted like a glove. So mm. all great and good, all good. good stuff. And 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 talking about fitting like like a glove, I I didn't didn't introduce you, Kieran. Um, I'm not sure whether I want to call you. <laughs> Call you my co-host, but yeah, thank you uh, as as the the person that kind of like you said we've going through your contact list and um you know speaking to some old players and hopefully rekindling some memories of of, of Ipswich Town. Um, I want to take you back, Darren. It's uh, 1998. Uh, you're 14. Ipswich have just uh, missed out on I think their 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 first or second um, playoff. Uh, uh, defeats in the playoffs and um, you joined there and what, what was it like what was it like as a 14 year old at that time with some pretty big names in and around the first team yeah it was incredible um, I mean Ipswich Town for me was a club that obviously I knew who they were but I didn't realise the size of the football club until I actually got there um, because I, I, the season before I'd been touted to go to, to Cambridge I was in the East Anglian area I went to train with them but for whatever reason something just didn't feel right but I remember playing for, for my so, uh, local Sunday League side. Um, and I think it was Malcolm Moore and a guy called Colin Suggart. Obviously, I think Kieran will remember both of them. They came up to me after a game and handed me this brochure. And they were like, well, this is Ipswich Town. And it had pictures of, like, Kieran in it, Richard Wright was in it, Titus Bramble was in it, James Scowcroft was in it. Um, they were the ones I can remember. And I remember just looking through it. And I think England, uh, Kieran had played for England youth at the time. I think Titus had... I remember thinking, wow, like, okay, this is obviously Ipswich Town, a big deal. They've obviously got a fantastic academy. They've obviously got players that have come through that academy that are of recent times, because you know it's like you get a lot of football clubs that talk about their academy, but they have one player come through every 10 years. I could see that Ipswich Town was like a conveyor belt, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. So I remember just having a conversation with mum and dad and saying, I want to go there. That, that, that's the place I want to go. And when I got there, to be fair, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the training facilities were kind of ahead of their times. The, the, the turf, the grass was like nothing I'd ever seen before. The coaching staff, their methods, it was all just completely new to me, but it was always something that I thought, yeah, I, I want a bit of this. So from day one, I mean, people helped me settle in. Ambrose was the kind of, which is obviously funny because obviously as you look at now, Talksport, me and Daz, he was the first one because I remember forgetting my, my boots, the first, no, my shin pad, sorry, the first ever game for the academy. And Ambrose was like, oh, don't worry, here you go, here's mine. So... Obviously, me and Daz have had a friendship, as, as you probably well know, for, for a long, long time. But it was just a fantastic club to, to join. And I'm absolutely delighted that I, I managed to obviously kind of succeed there uh, and learn my craft there. You talked about you talked about a conveyor belt uh, at Ipswich. And there, there was obviously, there was myself. And then the year below, a couple of years below, was Titus. Then there was Richard Logan. And there was Darren Ambrose. Then there was you. It was just like, even as me being in the first team player, I knew the next one coming through, the next one coming through, the next one coming through. Obviously, Richard Logan was meant to be the next big thing, and he was probably a year, two years older than you. Yeah. Was he someone that you were looking at as competition or someone that you just thought well, you were better than from an early age and that you were going to get to places that he weren't? Do you know what? I've got, I've got a lot to thank Logan for um, without him actually kind of knowing it, because as you said there, I remember, and I don't know if you can remember, when the two kind of youth teams used to play, it might be 15s and 14s or 14s and 15s. They were quite, the, the two pitches were next to each other at Bent Lane. And I remember this one time in one of the breaks, I think we used to play four 20 minutes. My dad went over to watch the, the couple of years above. And I remember him coming back to me after the game again. You need to go and see this kid. 
that's over there playing for, for entrance is down because if you want to get to the first team, you're going to have to get past him because he's, he's incredible. And I remember watching him train and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, his touch, his pace, how strong he was, he could score goals, his technique. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like how am I going to get to that level to get myself in the first team? Because I think him and Titus were tight at the time. Um, yeah. But to be fair to Logie, he always helped me. Whenever I spoke to him, he'd ah, that he's doing really well, try this, try that. And I remember, and I'm sure we'll get onto it a bit later, I remember, I think I was 16, and I kind of smelled blood because I'd, I'd gone away in the summer and I'd worked hard, running, running, running. I came back and the first kind of fitness test, I blew him out of the water, run past him like he wasn't there, I was lapping him. And that's when I kind of knew, oh, okay. Then obviously I started to score a fair few goals the moment I walked in the door and I started to apply a bit of pressure. And to be fair to Logie, he didn't really react. Like, even though when I was catching him and going past him, it wasn't like he, he had any kind of fight in him where he was going to go, I'm not letting this young kid do it. He kind of just let me do it. And by the time I got to the same level as him, I knew that it was going to be a matter of time before he he moved to the side. Yeah, good. Cause I was, you... I, yeah, because I had the same situation with Stuart Niven. He, got, he made his league debut before me and I was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that ain't happening. While I'm, I know I'm better than him, and I just use a bit like I'm not listening. I'm not saying we're Michael Jordan, but when you watch that last dance documentary and the little slights that he used as motivation, yeah, it's crazy how us footballers we use any kind of thing like that to just give us the edge. Yeah. So, Kieran, obviously, when when Darren joined, what was it like in the in the first team? Did some of the players take an interest in in what was happening in the academy, or you know, when, when did I guess when did when did Darren first come on your radar? Like I said, from early from early days, uh, we always knew the pecking order. Like I said, it was from my year. Then there was a Kevin Ingles, who unfortunately broke his leg, was the year below me. Then there was Titus. Then there was Logie, Darren Ambrose, and then Darren Bent. And you always knew that. These players, it was just a matter of time before, especially having George Burley as the manager. Yeah, George was just throwing people in left, right, and centre. He, he loved playing kids. Uh, I think he took more satisfaction of playing kids than than any manager I've ever known. So uh, it was just a it was just a matter of time. And um, yeah, like you said, Logie probably proved this wrong, but Darren went from strength to strength and. We'll touch on it later to get into the the hundred club and stuff like that in the Premier League is testament to his goal scoring abilities. To be fair, even even above him, there was people like Neil Midgley. Do you remember him? Yeah, Neil Midgley was in my year. Very, yeah. very good. Very good. I, I remember my favourite striker to ever play with. He was because he was always there. He just knew it instant. When I wanted to play a one touch ball around the corner, I knew he was going to yeah. be there. Just me and him, we were like telepathic in the youth team together. It's quite strange because he. Because I remember, I mean, when I got into the reserves at quite young, he'd won the golden boot in the in the uh, reserves. And I remember George Burley saying to me, I don't know if it was a joke or it was a bit of motivation, but I remember him coming up to me and saying, just remember, Neil Midgey won the, the golden boot in the reserves. And I don't think he ever played a first team game. So it was a bit like... Well, yeah, gosh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, OK, what, what does he mean by that? <laughs> yeah, just because you screw goals in the reserves. Yeah. Still the next, the next level to go to. Hey, uh, he 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 did he did make his make his debut. Um, I'll have a look in a minute, but he, he didn't he didn't make his uh, he didn't make that many appearances. Uh, Darren, you you won the under seventeen uh, academy league and got to the uh, FA Youth Cup semi final. Um, and obviously, I think it was around that time. 
that you were playing for, for England. And I think you went through under 15, 16, 17s and stuff like that. But I want to bring you to November 2001. Uh, a, a lot of Ipswich Town fans rem remember this game, particularly for the fun that they had in um, uh, Harry's Bar over in Helsingborg. But yeah, mm -hmm. your your debut, you came on, on second in the, in the game that Town won 3-1. And just, just kind of your thoughts before, you know, the build-up, you know, was... Did you understand the magnitude of a of a game that was being played live on TV and Ipswich were in the UEFA Cup? Yeah, I did. I mean, that season there, I mean, it was all flying for me. I think I was in the reserves, obviously, playing scoring goals. Um, for, well, I won the Golden Boot, funny enough, that year in the reserves. But I just remember travelling everywhere with the first team, just thinking, please, just give me my debut. Like, I, I felt ready. Even though I was 17, and listen, there was some Marcus Stewart, like one of my heroes, you know what I mean, for how good he was. I just felt, come on, just give me the opportunity to play. Give me the chance, give me the chance. And I remember eventually, I can remember, I think it was George Santony, going warm up, like, you're going on. Like, he said to me before, like, loads of times, going warm up, but he never said you're going on. This time, he went, going warm up, because you, you get ready, you're going on. I remember I was like, ah, oh, sprinting up and down, sprinting up and down. And all I kept thinking to myself was, just please give me a chance. Give me one chance to kind of, <laughs> to get a goal. And if I had a chance, the keeper made a, a really good save. But it was one of them where... The step up was just huge. I felt like the step up was massive, not just because the opposition weren't great, Hills and Ball weren't great, but the whole magnitude, as you said there, the occasion, being the UEFA Cup, it being live on TV, um, it just felt like a what a complete, nothing I was ever been used to before in my life. So um, it was fantastic. Sank, I still remember. Um, I remember it being a little bit cold. And if I can remember rightly, Marcus Stewart scored two, and one of them was incredible, like a chip. I think he's called like a chip or something. But, um, yeah, it was incredible. As I said, it just felt like I kind of got the rewards for having a really good season. Well, from under-14s all the way up until that point, it felt like I'd got that debut because I'd worked hard, got to the grade, and that was George Burley kind of saying, these are your rewards, I can enjoy yourself. And, and did you enjoy yourself after the game? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember all the, all the players getting congratulations. Obviously, all my friends on the phone, um, on the Nokia 5110. Texted me saying congratulations and that, but no, it was good. It was good. It was really good. Did you really enjoy it? Well, Jim Majorton couldn't have been playing then, because if Jim was playing, he'd be moaning like hell. Give me the ball. Where you going? I got the rough of him. I got the rough of Jim a few years later for a couple of years, but that day, you know, I remember he was right. He was really supportive. I remember Matt Holland was the one who was the first one over. Congratulations. He was a proper skipper. Do you know what I mean? Sisto Peralta played in that game. It was a great yeah. loan signing for uh, from from Inter Milan. A um, couple of games later, uh, you made your home league debut against Bolton Wanderers. Um, but most people will probably remember the game for being overshadowed by a, 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 a debutant in Ulrich Le Pen who who came on and, and and got injured in that game. Do you remember much about when he came on, or what was it? What did it feel like to to be turning out at Portman Road? Yeah, if I can remember Oric as well, I think he was left-footed. And I think there was a little buzz about him, to be fair, if I can remember rightly. I mean, this, when I look through some of the old programmes, the amount of names I forget about. But I remember him, yeah, I remember the injury, and I, learned, I remember there was a lot of excitement about it. But I remember that game against Bolton. I remember me obviously getting the start. I remember me not doing much. I remember, not, I wasn't overawed by it, but I felt like everything was just 100 miles an hour. I'm thinking, wow. And I remember, I, I think I came off after about 60, 70 minutes. Quite disappointed in myself because I thought oh, I could have had more of an impact on the game. Um, that was my opportunity. So I kind of sat down when I came up and thought, oh, like, am I ever going to get another opportunity? I was gutted. I mean, gutted. I wanted the opportunity again. But no, I, again, it was something that I, I learned, took, 
like great pride and learning from um, how to kind of play in the Premier League to deal with it. And I always kind of say to myself, unless uh, Ipswich at the time I did, because I thought I was ready. Do you know what I mean? I was ready to go to the Premier League at that time, which we'll probably touch on later. And I've seen other players who have been in my under 15, 16 England squad getting in the Premier League, scoring goals. I remember me thinking, well, I'm as good as them. So I know I can, but it's just about timing. So maybe at 17, making my debut, maybe might have, it, to play week in, week out might have been a bit much for me. So I remember coming off a little bit disappointed in my performance, but buzzing to have made my, my Premier League debut. Strikers uh, make me laugh, don't they, Statrad? He says, <laughs> I didn't do much. Most strikers don't do much. Because <laughs> they score a goal. <laughs> it's, that's normal for you, Benty, but usually you just get a brace at the end of it. <laughs> well, he, he scored his, his, your first senior goal in um, the following month in the League Cup. At, I think it was away at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, in a, I think it was a 4-1 defeat. But, you know, what, what, what did that feel when you finally... Um, you know, got your, your first notch on your belt as such. Yeah, now that, that I can remember like it was yesterday. I mean, it was um, incredible. I mean, the first time I've been to St. James, no, that wasn't the first time I've been there before St. James Park to play. Well, have I? I think that might have been the first time I've ever been there, actually. And I remember walking out for the warm-up and thinking, oh my goodness, like a all Premier League stadiums this big. Like it was massive. And then obviously I'm sitting on the bench, I go to warm-up and it was so loud in there. I remember thinking, what is going on here? Like, surely not, not every stadium could be this loud. And I remember we're 4-0 down, something like that's it. And George Wally goes, oh, get up, you're going on. So again, I jump up, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm playing in this arena. And I can remember the centre-backs were Davizas and Distan. And then the ball breaks, like bouncing around, and Jamie Kappa just gets a toe on it, and he kind of toes it through. And I remember just putting the afterburners on, just getting after it. This then trick as well, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I remember putting the burners on and Harper comes out. And the only finish I can do is a toe punt, is a toe poke. So I poke it and it flies into the corner. And even now, I don't even get to celebrate because we've fallen down, but I run, I think it's about two minutes left. I run, I get the ball out of the goal and I'm running back to the centre circle, beaming smile. Even though we're getting pumped 4-1, like it's, it's my first goal. And I remember George Burley after the game kind of making a point saying that the, the, perform the performance was a disgrace, but look at this young lad, he's come on, he's given his everything, he's got his first goal. And again, all the, all the, the first team were really supportive. I've got the football, put on my shirt, they've all written on it like, oh, congratulations on your first goal. So it was just a really, really fantastic season, to be fair. I think that was, again, I got pumped there. I think I got beat at Newcastle probably 95% of the time, whatever club I was at. But um, that was a really special moment. I remember the game just like it was yesterday as well because an hour and a half before the game, I'm doing rehab. Shock! I'm injured. I just come back from a stress fracture in my in my left shin, and I'm doing some strides and some runs up the stairs. And obviously, all the Ipswich players come out and uh, come and greet <coughs> and blah, blah blah. And I can remember that you're on the bench that day. But it was also, remember Titus, uh, Titus and Marcus Bent, I think they travelled up. No, Titus travelled up with the squad, but wasn't involved. And he came out with me the night before to the quayside. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of like sealed the deal for him to come to Newcastle the next season. He was like, I like a bit of this. So, yeah, I can remember watching the game. And, yeah, uh, to score your first goal is always memorable. And like you said, to put the burners on Sylvan Distan as well. Yeah. He was quick. Yeah, you just left him, left him for dead, and a great finish, instinctive toe pump bang, great goal. 
Newcastle had a, a great team though. Kieran, without you, uh, Nobby Solano, Rob, Rob Lee, Gary Speed, Shearer scored his hundredth goal for, for for Newcastle. Now a lot of Ipswich fans would always moan about Jonathan Barnett when it says about the destruction of our of our great young team. But now I'm thinking maybe it was you, Kieran. Were you taking players out and about up in <clears> Newcastle <throat> around, you know, just showing them the showing them the sights? It sounds like it. Well, again, it was the whole story with Jonathan Barnett and uh, David Manassi was when I played for England under 18s. Um, he came and introduced himself to my uh, David. It was Jonathan let David do all the donkey work. So David come and introduced himself to my mum and dad and said, "I'm an agent. Your son's going to need me." Um, when I got back from England, my mum and dad said, you, "You really need to speak to these these people." I was like, I don't need an agent. I always got told that Ipswich is a family club. I'll be rewarded. Um, anyway, they just said, you have to speak to these people. Like, listen, we can always say no. And uh, for an hour, he probably, we probably had a meet. And for an hour, 55 in, minutes into the meeting, I'm bored out of my head thinking, I'm never signing for this guy. And I can remember the last five minutes and he said, I can get you an Adidas boot deal and you'll get paid, and then you'll be able to go to the factory in Stockport and fill up your car. And I was like, where do I sign? <laughs> I wasn't even bothered about content. I was just bothered about going to the Adidas store up in Stockport. They had the whole factory where they made all the Adidas kit. Yeah. I remember I had a car at the time. I had a Vauxhall Tigra, and basically it was filled. Like when you open the doors, all the kit was pulling out. My dad was getting out for a year. Um and then, yeah, again, so when I'm in the first team, I obviously said to Richard, he said, who's your agent? I introduced him to Richard Wright, uh, then Matt Holland, and then Titus. And I think Titus probably maybe have introduced Darren to... So, yeah, maybe Hipsy's fans won't like me after this because I was the first one to, um, to bring him into the club. But, but I always say this, clubs, there's no loyalty in football from clubs or players. It's... <laughs> If I did my cruise shit and I only had six months left on the, my contract, the club would get rid of me. That's the way it is. And so um, they need pay people who are professionals to help them. And obviously Darren went with Stella and I know for his early part of their career and they, they got him the moves at the right time and he went on from strength to strength. Yeah, it, it, there's still that emotional tie as a fan. But yeah, I, I guess that we, we, we get that, you know, you're, kind of, you know, just a product that, that clubs are going to use and move on. I guess one of the questions I've got, and I remember your Vauxhall Tigre, Kieran, I think it was a horrible orange colour, but you were both, you know, were in the game, you know, very, very early and stuff like that. And when you started giving these contracts and the money, how, how difficult did you find that back then not to think, actually, I've got loads of money now, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up? Um, for, I mean, for me, um, one, one of the kind of, uh, stories. I mean, certainly for Kieran is that I know that he obviously got onto the, the big money quick. Do you know what I mean? That was, that's just a known kind of thing around football. That Kieran certainly got to that like, rapid, and whereas it might have taken me more time to get there. Do you know what I mean? But it was one of them Ipswich, because I think because Kieran went from Ipswich to Newcastle, that's a big jump. Do you know what I mean? For me, I was quite a progression. So I went from Ipswich to Charlton where it's, it's not dissimilar in terms of, like, they're not going to be massive players, but they'll pay decent. It was only when I kind of got to, like, Spurs, and even they're not the biggest, but then it was, like, Sunderland, Villa. They were, like, the, the big ones, you know what I mean? It was where it was, like, okay. So, for me, it was kind of progression. So, it, it wasn't that bad 
if that makes sense for me yeah. to kind of worry about. Even though I'm back in London at Cholton and on good money, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's getting all of that. Do you know what I mean? I kind of felt like at the time, it was just what I was getting, like compared to other players, it was just what Cholton did at the time. Like Cholton all of a sudden couldn't go 100 grand a week, bang, out of that. They just wouldn't do that. They, they, they couldn't do that. Whereas as things like Aston Villa, they've not even Spurs used to do it back then. They're probably doing it now. But they weren't big players back then, even not massive compared to like Newcastle of the world. So for me, it was it was okay to kind of I didn't really have to think like that. So we move on to February two thousand and two. It must be around there that that's your eighteenth birthday, I guess. You signed your first professional contract, and also I think scored two goals for England under nineteens versus Germany at, at, at Portman Road. So a lot was happening then. Do you remember much about that that in, that England game at Portman Road? Yeah, I'm looking at the man the match trophy right over there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Best answer I've had so far. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, brilliant. But do you know what's weird is that because, as you said, I've played in every England age group up until that point. I remember the the, the under-19 manager, he came and watched me in the under-17s under or 18s, and he said to me, listen, we've got a, um, I'm going to need you to, to do me a favour in a, in a couple of months. And what is it? I'll let you know nearer time. So what's it all about? Obviously, it was to play in this game for the under 19, which was a level above at Portman Road. Me and Matty Bloomfield, it was. But I remember getting getting up to that, that age group and mate, they had some players in that team, by the way. People like Lionel Morgan. I don't know if people remember him, but he had a, he had bad injuries. But he at Wimbledon was insane, incredible. Dean Ashton, who doesn't get a lot of credit, but mate, he was a proper, proper. Did you play him at West Ham? Uh, yeah. Yeah, proper, proper finisher. Yeah, very good. So there, there were so many in this under 19 I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like, wow. But I, I felt like I belonged at that level. It went really well. Just said I scored two goals on my debut. And, and I think I only played another two games for the 19th before I was in the under 21s. But I remember it was good because obviously all the town fans come out. It was sold out. Um, and it was a good game against a good German side as well. So it was, uh, it was all seemed to be happening around that time, being in the first team, playing in England under 19 games. Uh, as you said, there, signed a professional contract at the start of that season. Um, or no, the season before when I was 17. It was um, it was all happening, though, because I felt like I was really finding my feet when I was about 18 years old. April. Talking, of England, talking of England, playing at Portman Road, obviously, I was fortunate enough to do the same. Yeah, yeah. It's a story that I'll never forget with you. And it was as we're leaving our hotel and we're getting our police escort into the, the ground, there's loads of fans and we've come in, uh, we've actually come in the Portman Road entrance. So we're going past the centre spot and we're turning right to go into the stadium. So there was hundreds and hundreds of fans. They must have been there for ages. And I'm looking out the window and seeing if I can recognise any. And there was Darren Bent there and he was there with his missus at the time or a, a girlfriend or a, a companion or whatever. And he was clapping. He was like a proper fan. It was like, the look in your eyes that day when obviously there was the Becks and that was like, you could see you were thinking, I want this one day. Yeah. It's crazy, like, how you were there as a fan and then you've gone on to represent your country. I still remember this day, thinking of all the people to see. We've been queuing up to see the England coach come in. And yeah. remember, he was, a, he was a professional footballer in there, but he still had the adulation for the top, top players in our country and in the Premier League. And there he was. It, and it always stuck out of me. So as I'm going to the, obviously it was great playing in front of my home fans, but I always remember that. Darren Brendan, his missus was there, like 
clapping in the in the yeah. I, I, I remember it because I remember obviously you said there Beck was in. I think you were sitting with Rio. Yeah. Healthy, yeah. yeah. But I remember the standing because I wanted to get there early because I wanted to see it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, you're talking about superstars, so I'm thinking, wow, I need to see like like there's thousands of people. But I remember just saying, listen, we need to get there early. And I must have been standing there for about 40 minutes before you got there. But I wanted to glimpse just to see like what it was like. I remember getting in, as soon as you went in, I got in the stadium early. I was in my seat watching you guys, how you played. I mean, it was incredible. Like, and I'm glad that, it, that England did that at Portman Road because that really helped me in my development, seeing these guys at that level. Because you can't get no higher than that. You talk about the best players in the country on that pitch at Portman Road. So seeing that for me was like, I remember going to training the next day, talking about it. Okay, now how good was he? How good was he? It was incredible. Yeah. Did, did you feel then... Um... That England was a, it was a, was it a chance for you in your in your career? Did you think you know you that you could you could make your, your full debut and 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 play for England? No chance. No, no and, and if, if if you're realistic, no chance because obviously if you at the time we're in the, the Division One, you look at the likes of who was up front would have been there would have been what Owen. Um, I can't even think, but the caliber of centre forward would have been, oh my goodness, like what is going on here? Because. I saw the strikers that were in the under-21s ahead of me, the likes of Shola, um, Francis Jeffers, Jermaine Defoe, Bobby Zamora. So I'm thinking these guys are in the 21s. So there's no way I've got to bypass them to get to that next level, to get to the Owens. So I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even think of it as trying to play for my country. I thought of it as just, if that's the level I've got to get to, I've got an awful long way to go. It's crazy how you bring up that point where you doubted yourself a bit. But I think when Glenn Hoddle was the England manager and I was in the under-21s, he used to bring the under-21s into shape. So we'd have a full 11 v 11 with the first team. And I mean, it was proper competitive where I remember my first England under-21, it was the, I think, Princess Di had just passed away. And we played Moldova. And Gaza played for the full team. Wow. David Batty, Incy, the strikers in the squad at the time were Les Ferdinand, Ian Wright. We're sitting across the table going, oh my God, we've now got 11 v 11 against them. Yeah. Bex was playing and it was just like a who's who of like premiership 11. And we were beating them and they were getting angry and like Gaza and everyone was trying to, they then started trying to boot us and that. And you're thinking, okay, you know, you kind of think, yeah, oh, so they're not as great. Yeah, yeah. Well, they are as great, but you're doing all right. And that kind of gave us the confidence. And it's a shame now that with social media and not being able to trust, I don't think even Gareth would allow the 20, the 21s to come up and play against the first team oh. and stuff like that. But that gave us real inspiration that hey, yeah. we, we could, we could definitely be in the squad. See, they must have changed that up because when I got in the, the 21s, we didn't even see the first team. I think it was once we stayed in the same hotel and when they walked through the England, it was like, look, 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 like, look, look at this, look at this. But that was it. But in terms of training, we never saw them. Completely different. Yeah, it's mad. 2001-2 finish, you had seven appearances and, and uh, two goals. Your first league goal was against... Middlesbrough in April um, came on uh, a sub, and I think you probably scored about <clears> twenty seconds after. And, and that was the, also the debut of of Darren Ambrose, like you say. The, the two of you were 
a, a link. How, how did it feel for, for you? You know, you, you've come into a team in the Premier League, you know, you've played in European football, you've scored at Newcastle and then ultimately at the end of the season, Ipswich are relegated. Yeah, it was, it was a disappointing one. Um, but it was kind of a weird kind of transition for me and does to be fair, because I, I travelled with the first team to start of that season to score my first goal in pre-season. Uh, so I felt like I was, I, was, I was doing well. And as you said, they scored my first league goal against Middlesbrough at 17, um, like my first touch. And then I'm, oh, you want to kick on. But then you're in this weird kind of phase where we get relegated. I think we played the last game of the season. I think we played against Liverpool. If I can remember right, we got absolutely smashed. I think it was five or six nil or something Titus like that. Titus gave Michael Owen a goal. Yeah, I think he gave two away. He gave a Nelka one as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember, th- I remember after the game, um, everyone's disappointed. I remember George Burley coming up to me and Ambrose and saying, listen, you two be ready for next season. Like, I know we've gone down, it's disappointing, it's horrible, but you two are going to be big for us next season. So don't come back thinking that you're going to be part of the squad, you two are going to be playing. So like, get yourselves ready for next season. So you're disappointed in one breath because you're thinking, ah, oh, I want to be at this level. You want to be going to Anfield. You want to be going to Old Trafford, St. James's Park. But then when the manager comes and says that to you, listen, you two get ready to play, you're like, okay. Like, it's almost like we're ready, we're ready to go then. So um, it, was a, it was a big summer for me. Again, me and Dad's went away. We worked really, really hard. And when we came back, we made sure we were ready. Just, yeah. talk, just talking about Darren Ambrose, I just want to go back. We obviously, the FA Youth Cup against Southampton, the final when we won. Mm. Uh, obviously, Brian always says basically it was we were tough to beat and hopefully Darren Ambrose would come up with something special. But do you feel <clears throat> Southampton, listen, Southampton were probably the better team over the two legs, just didn't get the result. But when you see all the players that went on and kicked on from their youth team, do you feel that we should have had more players from that youth team that kicked on and had better careers? Yeah, because the, 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 or, Southampton, the, Southampton, yeah. the Southampton lot was a year below us. Mm. All right. So the team that me and Amherst played in the Houston, we played above ourselves. So we played against the Arsenal. We lost in the semi-final. We won 4-3 four, four, at, at Highbury, but lost 4-2 at Portman Road. Okay. When you look at that Arsenal youth team, the likes of Jeremy Alledier, Jermaine Pennant, I mean, their youth team is a superstar from superstar. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at my actual age, Ipswich Town, me, Ambrose, uh, Robert Dickinson, Matthew Bloomfield, Ian Westlake, Matt Richards. Yeah, I mean, I think four of us played in the team at the same yeah. time, according to the team. But you're right, this, this probably should have been more. The year below was the one, really, where they probably should have had five or six as well, because they had, like, Dean Bowditch, who should have gone on to do big things. Owen yeah. Garvin was in that youth team, I think, as well. I think he played. Good career at Ipswich, yeah. yeah, there was a fair few, so... When you think about the, the, the ones that went come out of the youth team and they went on to do really well, you'd probably only say maybe me and Ambrose were the only two that went on to. And when you look at the, the conveyor, but as I said about Ipswich Town, I don't think that's Ipswich Town's fault. I think maybe it's the mentality of the player that they got to a certain level and then went, you know what, that's fine. We've made it to the first team. We're comfortable. We're good. Whereas, well, you know, Ambrose came to you guys early. Do you know what I mean? Probably maybe he'd probably admit it himself. He came to you guys too early because he probably wasn't ready for that. Do you know what I mean? To, to be in the team with what you guys had. So me and Ambrose probably were the only two that had the mentality like, we're not, sta- we're not standing still now we're in the first team. I want to get back to the Premier League. I want to keep going and going and going. So maybe that, that's probably maybe 
the only disappointment that not more of us were in the first team we probably should have been. Yeah. At the, the start of 2002, three scored away to uh, Millwall in a draw and, and Bradford at home in a, in, in a loss. Um, and then in September, you scored in the, the League Cup at home to, to Brighton, which was ultimately the, the last goal that you scored under George Burley with, with him being announced later in the month that he was, he was being sacked. How, how, how did that news break with you? And you know, how, how did you feel at the time when, when the news was announced? Yeah, I was gutted, but the, the whole season was tough because the year before that, we'd won the Reserve League. Um, of course, Dale Roberts, obviously got rest his soul, was the manager of that, that reserve team. We won the, the league under him. Um, had a fantastic season under him. As I said, winning the Golden Boot that year. He was kind of George Burley's like, rock in some capacity. So as obviously his health kind of deteriorated towards the end of the season, you could see that it was affecting George. And then when we went away on pre-season, um, like George wasn't himself. Like I remember there was that picture going around when he was drunk at the airport. Someone had snapped a picture of him um, and he just wasn't the same. Um, but when he got the, the news that he got the sack, I was guided because you're talking about a manager that believes in me from a young age, gave me the opportunity. I remember being on the train, pitch, him coming out and working with me one-to-one. Um, when a manager like that goes, you think, you're worried about who's going to come in next. You, you always think, well, who, who's it going to be? Am I going to get another manager in that's going to believe in me like he did? So I was gutted. And I remember loads of the squad. There were some members of the first team that weren't because he weren't playing them. He didn't, get, didn't have a good relationship with them. But I had a fantastic one with him. So I was gutted when he left. Kieran, as a, as a f- former player for, for George Burley, would, it, would players have reached out to him at, at that point? You know, how... What would happen in that situation? Of course. Um, even managers who, in the past, who I haven't really liked, if they lose their job, at the end of the day, we have got human, we have got a human side. We do show empathy, and I'd always reach out and say, sorry that you've lost your job, and uh, keep your head up, and hopefully you get a job very soon. It is, mm. like you said, Darren saying this, there'll be some people who are relieved, there's someone who gets a, a second chance, a clean slate. Like, for it's, for instance, we're talking about James Norwood. James Norwood was with the 23s. Um, Paul Cook goes, James Norwood comes back in. That's that's just the way football goes. Uh, you just got to go with the, the flow of it. Um, but yeah, for an outsider looking in when George Burley, um, when George Burley went sacked, I just thought, in a way, the worst possible thing that happened to it, which was coming fifth their first season, because then all this new stadium was being built. We were bringing in Finidi George on re- probably ridiculous money that the club probably couldn't financially secure. And it was like the club got carried away um, um, and was spending money uh, that they didn't really, really have. And like I said, and then when it went wrong and there's always the second season syndrome I say this all the time the first season no disrespect for Ipswich Town um, I was playing for Newcastle at the time I don't want to lose to Ipswich but it's that kind of it's only Ipswich you know players there's motivational levels levels in there Darren where you're like us oh, Ipswich Town it's kind of a complacency but the second season teams now know what Ipswich is all yeah. about it's always Sheffield United have proven it uh, when they went down as well they had the first season so it was just a complete mess and I just thought that George was the full guy, which is unfortunate for him um, because what he achieved winning the manager of the season and that. 
I didn't think he deserved it. But like I said, nothing surprises you in football. Mm. It's important when a new manager comes along that you you make your mark. And 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 you did, Darren, in in Joe Royal's first game in a one nil win again in the UEFA Cup at home to Slovan Liberec. Do you remember much about Joe when he first came in and his impact on you? When you know, and how different was he to George Burley? It's funny because I remember that game as well. Cause I saw a lovely volley. It's like that. I, can't, I remember that. <laughs> it's a nice volley. But, you remember um... all your goals, you liar. <laughs> but now I remember when when Joe came in. He came in with Willie Donaghy, um, and Willie is a strange character. Like, like when we sat down with him, we were speaking about some of his methods. Remember, the, we're looking around thinking, "What is is he serious?" Like some of the stuff that he wants to do. But them two work in tandem. Them two work together like so close that like, Joe trusts him. He trusts Joe. But I didn't really know too much about Joe, because obviously that he was an Everton legend that people said and managed to see. But I didn't know anything about his, his managerial kind of credentials or anything. Um, but when he came in, him being a forward, um, he quickly got it. He, was, he simplified it for me, what he wanted me to do, how he saw me playing, um, how he could improve me, what he wanted from me. Um, and he, he, just, he, he relayed it as bluntly as, as he, he could. Like there's none of this kind of putting his arm around any players. He was old school manager. Whereas if he, if he tells you to do something and you do it, fantastic, you're doing your job. If he asks you to do something and you don't, he'll give you the hairdryer treatment. He was he was as blunt as that. And there were times, certainly towards the end, where we fell out loads of times, argued for fun. But I, I get it. And I think at the time he was a when we played fantastic football. Anyone who watched Ipswich Town back then under Joe Royal, you couldn't have not been entertained because we could never win a game one nil. I mean, his, his debut was one nil. But we could never win a game one nil, six four, five three, and that, that's probably ultimately, as we'll probably speak about later, what cost us because we just couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't see our games. Everything, everything was like a blockbuster. Going back to Willie, uh, is it true that he used to play football without a ball and you had to visualise shape and yeah, visualise and where you're passing the ball and you're all standing there pretending to pass it to each other and making <laughs> yeah, he used to do all stuff like visualisation. He did stuff he where was big we, on yoga as well, yeah. Big on yoga, big on like we threw this thing where we'd have to walk forward and then we'd have to put our head right back and throw ourselves forward so we could get used to kind of being on the front foot. Like honestly, if anyone from the outside was watching us, they'd go, What are they doing? But he he believed in all this stuff. And I mean, he, what he was good at was head tennis, by the way, because before every home game in the little gym that used to be upstairs at Portland Road, me and it was, it was me and Amber, then it was me and Matt Richards. We play against him and Joe Roll. Now Joe Roll's got no hips; he's got two metal hips. But what he has got, he can head the ball. So Willie used to just pop it up, and he just to go bang with his head. So it was. Uh, I mean, listen, they, were, they were great, great in tandem, both of them. January two thousand three, you scored your first brace in a game, which was at home to Morecambe in the in the FA Cup. We won four nil, um, and then another followed by another brace at home to to Preston. And then Town go to Sheffield United and you score in a game where we lose 4-3 in the in the FA Cup. Yeah. Do you remember much about that game? I, I, I remember a real sucker blow at, at, at the end. Yeah, I, I do remember that game because I remember, I think me and Ambrose came on. Because um, I, I came on against Preston and scored the two. And then I think I came on, in, me and Ambrose came on in that game against Sheffield United. And I think I scored pretty much straight away. Um, I think Ambrose tried in an audacious kind of volley from the halfway line. We, I think someone come up and clear off the line, but I remember Michael Brown scoring an incredible volley. Um, that's before he started kicking people. 
that's when he could play Michael Brown. But all of a sudden, he turned into an hard man and wanted to just kick everyone. But back then, at Sheffield United, he could play. And I remember it was just incredible. I think we had a few of them ding-dongs with Sheffield United around that time. Um, but that game there, we, we got sucker punched at the end. We lost 4-3. But again, I remember thinking that, 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 that their game summed up Joe Royal in a nutshell, is that he, he never was beaten. Doesn't matter if we're getting beat 3-0, 4-0. It just it keep forming forward. None of this, all right, we're getting beat here. Let's just kind of not not get beat anymore. Let's just kind of show it up. You're like, no, I want to get myself back into it. So flood men forward, flood men forward. And for me, being an attacker, that was fantastic. It was brilliant to, to play him. But if you're a defender, you're probably thinking, well, hold on, where's my protection? I've got no, I've got no one sitting in front of me. Where's both my fullbacks gone? It was just completely, for an, as I said, for an attacker, fantastic. But if you're a defender or someone who's defensive-minded, you're putting your air up. Uh, a few days after that, and you, t- you touched upon it, Dale Roberts sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a really poignant time. I wonder if you could kind of talk us through from the time that you heard the news mm-hmm. of, of Dale passing away and then that fantastic um, game against Sheffield United, which was, you know, quite rightly dedicated to Dale and you, you scored two. Um, just talk us through how, how you were at that time, please. Yeah, it was difficult because I, I only worked with Dale for that one year um, properly. But of course, he'd been watching me in the under-19s and under, oh, under-17, sorry. Um, he'd been watching me and, and you know, Dale, Dale was one of them, them guys that obviously was hard as anything. Kieran would know as well. He was always swearing, always F this and F that and this that and the other. But when he gave you a bit of praise, it meant more because if he's giving you some praise, then he don't give many people praise, by the way. If he gives you that, then you know you've earned it. Like I can remember our first game in the reserve league was against Charlton away. And we drew three or when I scored two. And there, big Danny Shitu uh, was at the back, centre-back. And everyone was scared to go near him. But me, I was flying to tackle him. I was trying to pin him. Even though I had no chance of pinning him, I was trying to pin him. I was like, nicking the ball off his toes. I was trying to go past him. Whereas everyone was kind of like, oh no, it's too big. And I remember after the game, he said to me, oh, like you lot are running around like, like scared of him, he's doing this. He's only 15 or 16, he's trying to tackle him. He's putting him on his arse, he's scoring goals. And you lot are just, so that kind of gave me the, oof, like the big confidence. And that's what he was like with me all season, which is why I had such a, a good season. So when he passed, I was guided as everyone at the football club would have been because he, was a, he would have been a big influence on, on a lot of people's career getting to that first team. Because he was probably the, the last line of defence in some regards because he toughened you up mentally, physically before you got in the first team because he knew what was to, to come. So he wasn't kind of softening you up, oh, you'll be fine, get yourself up to the first team, everything will be smooth. He was kind of like, if you ever do that up there, they'll crucify you, they'll murder you if you do that, if you do this. So when, when he left, I think, as I said, a bit of George probably left with him as well. It was a little bit, it, it, it was sad, but I remember his funeral, it was a really, really sad occasion. But I've got real fond memories of Dale, I really have. How was Dow's demeanour doing the reserves? Because obviously when he came in at Ipswich, he was George Burley's assistant manager. Mm. And then George had this kind of knack of... <coughs> obviously, you get bored of the same vices, don't you? So uh, in my time there, uh, it was Brian Hamilton who came in, worked with the first team. Then it was Stuart Houston. Then it was John Gorman. So then for Dow, Dow to then go down to the reserves and not away from the first team. A lot of people would probably sulk, see that as a downgrade. Um, but was he fine with that? Just 
always enthusiastic because that's one thing he always had was enthusiasm for his role in the club when even when he was in the first team. Yeah, he, he was good. He had this real knack of. Um, I mean, you've got to think about it. I, like I'm, I'm on the I'm on the way up, so I'm passing people on the way down. So you've got the first teamers back then, which is why I think in modern day football, um, the reserves were such a good thing because you're playing against pros at the end of the day, you're playing against first teamers. So he was really good. I remember not only with the youths coming up, but with the reserves coming down, the likes of Richard Naylor, who wasn't playing that much, or whoever it might have been, just talking to them, saying, "Listen, just go out there, work hard, put a shift in for me." That's all I ask. Um, I'll treat you with respect as long as you treat me with respect. So he was good in that front, do you know what I mean? But he was also good as well at telling people, for instance, if a youngster like myself was doing well and a first team had come down, he might have to make that difficult call by saying, listen, I know you need minutes, but he's smashing the goals in. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna kind of have to just bide your time or like I want to give you minutes, but in a minute I can't because do you know what I mean? I, I can't stunt his development. Just so you can have a, a bit of a run around, a bit of a kick around. So, and that that happened quite early on, Kieran, because I remember we played Fulham, and I think I'd had I think I had six and six or something crazy like that. I just scored two the week before against Arsenal, and I remember he we played Fulham away, and Richard Naylor was the striker that came down, and Dale was like, "Listen, D, um, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to put you on the bench because he, he needs minutes," yeah. and we were like three 0 down or something like that. And I came on, I made a difference. Keeper making saves, made a real difference. And he never did that again. Like, because he, he, he knew he knew that he, he just couldn't do that anymore. So I remember the next game, he just said, listen, Rich, you have to stand on the bench here because Darren's got to play. And that's where he was really fair. Whereas a lot of managers might have gone, nah, I'm going to have to do what George wants. He didn't do that. I hate it. Once I've been a 23 manager. We dread it when the first team come down. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we dread it. And it's no disrespect to the first team, but again, they see it as a punishment. Um, they don't really want to be playing, especially now you're talking about the South East Counties League. Back yeah. in the day with the reserves team, I remember playing Ian Wright and things. Now it's yeah. catching. You're playing against 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Does it, Caden Jackson really want to be playing against a 20-year-old and stuff mm -hmm. like that? And we'd rather play the Mayor Morrises than that. So, yeah, it is a challenge being the, the reserve team kind of manager. Yeah. Did you play in Dallas Testimonial? Yeah, I did against Newcastle. Yeah. And, I, and, that, and that, was that against Newcastle? Yeah, we, you beat us 2-1. I can remember, again, fair play to Bobby because um, um, with the Ipswich links as well. I literally come back from holiday on the Monday I think a few others did as well. And we, obviously, I think the game was like on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And usually you're meant to have a, like a two-week solid base of running and that. And it was a gamble from Bobby as well, where to say like, because you could get injuries and that. And he was like, do you want to play? Of course I do. Dal Roberts, Ipswich. And I can remember playing that game and yeah, it was a good turnout and you lot won 2-1. I missed it. Do you know what I can remember about that as well? Yeah, you're right. It was packed to the rafters. And Ambrose was playing for Newcastle because he'd left, hasn't he? Yeah. So one thing, I remember smashing him, which I didn't mean to do. I slipped. I <laughs> but secondly, I remember using that game to see if I'd been if I was better than the last time I'd been in the Premier League. Yeah. So I, I, I used it because I think at the time you had your left back. It was it was the, the dreadlock. Olivia Bernard. Yeah. Olivia he, Bernard, he was yeah. Left back. So I remember thinking, all right, let me see if I'm more comfortable now in this game than I was the last time I played. And I remember feeling like, okay. I've done it right here, actually. I, I'm like, I'm not scored, but again, I, I feel like I've made another step to that. Do you know what I mean? So I, I remember, I remember a game again, like it was yesterday. 
Yeah, I can remember it was a testimonial, it was a friendly, and Craig Bellamy getting booed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That did make me laugh. <laughs> there's no friendly matches where there's an issue. Norwich connection. Yeah, right, rightly so. Okay. Uh, going back to the uh, Sheffield United game, one three two, we were two 0 down with 35 minutes to go. Pablo had been sent off. What, yeah. what did you think about that? I remember just thinking, we go two 0 down. Um, and then as you said, Pablo does something stupid. I think it's his second booking, I think. And we got out to 10 men. I remember thinking, oh my God, how are we going to get ourselves back into it? But again, that just summed us up because a lot of people have gone, all right, let's just kind of consolidate what we've got. I can re- all I can remember was Joe Royal Garrett, Darren Hugh high on the right, Ambrose high on the left, and Marcus Bent was down the middle. And he just said to me, every time you get the ball, I can't remember who their fullback was, he just kept saying to me, every time you get the ball, Turn, run at the fullback, play a one, just hit Marcus and just go in behind him. And that's how we started off the second half. I get the ball, give it to Marcus and just keep going. And obviously back then I could run all day. But the fullback just couldn't keep up. I just kept one, two, running all day. And every time Ambrose took the ball, Joe Ross said, cut in, Bentley make the run in behind and just keep putting, feeding it in behind. And that's how we kind of broke them down. Then we get the first goal. I think the first goal was, a, I think Jermaine Wright put a nice cross in. And I think I started with volume into the corner. And then the next, and then the place erupts, obviously at Portman Road erupts. And then Ambrose scores the second. I think Bentley kind of hooks one in and Ambrose heads it. But where header. Ambrose scored a header, yeah. I thought you were going to say a 25 yarder. Nah, he scores a header. But then we, we don't celebrate. Ambrose gets the ball out the net and we run back to the halfway line. And then the last one is obviously Ambrose at his best where he goes past someone, gets to the byline, just digs it up and I score the header. But I should, that, that again was Joe, that there was Joe Royal, summed him up. Like we just, he didn't want to settle for, okay, we're, we're losing 2-0, we're down to 10 men, just leave it. You kept flooding more men forward, taking more and more risk. He mentioned, he mentioned Pablo there, and obviously, a bit like the Martin Royces, Pablo's seen as an icon uh, amongst the fans. He's maybe borderline legend, but real icon of the club. Mm. Would you agree with that, or do you... Do you I would say he's overrated, underrated, because obviously Ry Keane dismissed him as a as a bad player and a bad egg. But our fans have got he's got a place in the heart of our fans. I would say Pablo underachieved. That's what I'd say because when he first came into the club pre-season, I'd never seen someone hold the ball up as well as he could. Like how strong he was. I remember when he broke Marcus Stewart's jaw. Them two were tossing him in training, and the ball went up there, but bounced. And because they've been nibbling each other, he just went to volley and Marcus went to head it and he's went whack, broke his jaw, Marcus his jaw. But I remember thinking... He won't be an icon no more now. Yeah, So I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this guy, how good is he? He was fit, he was strong. Not, not the quickest, but he was quick enough. Yeah. So when I eventually, obviously, when I think, he, I, think I left before him, I can't remember when he left Pablo, but I can remember thinking like waiting for him to kind of get to the Premier League, burst on the scene, and we start to see him scoring goals here and everywhere. And then when he went, he went somewhere and came back to Ipswich, I remember thinking, well, he's better than that. Like, mm. I remember him being better than that. So, yeah, I know the fans loved him because he scored some goals, his celebrations with the supporters. Some of the goals he scored were brilliant. But for me, underachieved. He was, he was better than the level that he played at. But maybe he didn't want to. Maybe, maybe that was just, maybe that was his ceiling. But when I look back and I think about the training sessions, the technique, what he could do, for me, underachieved. 
going back to March 2003, and there, there are things that the games that I watch, and I think I'd really love to know what was going through the players' heads. So we, we're away to, to Norwich. Uh, we're already 1-0 uh, up. Fabian Wilness has scored. Um, Norwich are, are on the attack, and the ball breaks down in the defence. And you... One of the best moves you've ever done, in my opinion, in the game is uh, in your Richwich career, is in that game where you just take the ball off. You just nick it off the um, the midfielder on the, out, the edge of the box. You give it to Dean Bowditch, and then he he plays the ball through to you. You're just going over the halfway line, and I had a look before we came on the show, and it's five seconds that you're running with the ball before you you stick it past um, Robert Green. Um, what's going through your mind at at, at that point? First of all, I can't, I can't remember who the defender is, but there's someone chasing me. And I remember I shrug him off and he falls over and starts eating the grass. <laughs> so all, all I can remember is once I did that, I'm thinking, right, just be composed. Just relax, hit the target, hit the target. That's all I kept telling myself. So when Green came out, he didn't make it easy for me, but I kind of knew what I was going to do. I was just going to roll it in past his left foot. But also as well, when I watch it back, I think they try and play some kind of tannoy. Something happens with a tannoy. Because as I'm going through, I think they say something like, Someone's someone's car or something. So they tried they tried something because I was beaming around. But obviously, I remember when I go through and I rolled it past Robert Green. All I can remember was I don't know what I'm gonna do it. So I just took my shirt off. I just took my shirt off. No hint of muscle anywhere. Just took my shirt off. Don't even know what I did with the shirt. But I can remember the point with the fans were going crazy, jumping over the advertising board. I just wanted to jump in with them, and I remember it just being like. What a, what a derby this is now. Listen, I go on to play in, in bigger derbies than that, but when you play, when you, you're in that area and all week it's just Norwich, got to be Norwich, got to be Norwich, got to be Norwich. I remember thinking it was the biggest game on earth. Like, I remember thinking, oh, games can't get bigger than this. This is, this is, this is the, the, the biggest of the biggest. So I, I, I understood that, that it probably was for them supporters. But yeah, I remember it being a great day and, and beating Norwich at Carrow Road doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, uh, thank you on behalf of all the Ipswich fans who were there. Mm -hmm. Definitely, it was, it was fantastic. Final game of 2002-03. Um, you scored away uh, at Derby County. Uh, Matt Holland also scored in that game, and that was Matt's last game for, for the club. Um, obviously, he departed. Darren Ambrose went as well. Um, what, were your, what were your views at that time? Was it a team that was, was, a team that was getting better, or was it a team that was losing its better players? It was tough because I think because Dazlin had left before that because it was just, unfortunately went into administration so we're struggling so obviously we're having to sell off certain assets um, so Ambrose went relatively early and he was on fire that season I mean some of the stuff he was doing that season was incredible which is why it doesn't surprise me that Newcastle come and got him um, but yeah Matty left at the end of that season I think Herman might have even left at the end of that season as well I think they both might have gone to Charlton at the time so it did feel like a lot of our players were just kind of going and going and going. So it was difficult. I know the the affiliation the fans have with Matt Holland. Now, he's not an like, Ipswich Town icon. He's a legend. Like, the, the fans absolutely love him. Um, so I know that was tough for the club, but it was almost like, again, me being a, a youngster at that time, I was kind of focusing on my own development. And yeah, we were losing good players, but it was about, right, make sure I come back next season right. Make sure I come back a better player than I was this season. So it was a real big, big change. Um, I know players were coming in, but it just felt like a, a lot of the core of the, of the good players that have been there for maybe a little bit of time were starting to kind of move on to the next level. So it, it was at that time just about focusing on myself, really, and making sure I come back better than the player than I was the season before. Who was Bobby. main captain when Matt left? 
I'm trying to think who was captain when Matty left. So I want to say it might have been, was it Jim? It must have been. It might have been Jim. I think I think Jamie Kappa might have even left at the end of that season as well. Um, just, I can't even remember who was captain. It must have been Jim. It must have been Jim. And a bit of bit of chalk and chase with the captaincy there from Matt, who is probably. Yeah, never shouted at anyone, always encouraging, and then Jimmy yeah. was just on it, weren't he? He was. I remember Jason, I remember Jason the boss got the captain's armband, but I can't remember who he got it from because it might have been Jason the boss, he might have got oh. it straight away, but I can't remember who got it straight away. It was, yeah, Jim, Jimmy Jordan was the, the captain that year, um, yeah. and uh, Fabian Wilness captain one game and just had a look at an FA Cup game. Um, one of the things I wanted to say to you about the start of 2003-04, and I've, I've looked at the players that, that made their debut. Um, you'd scored uh, six goals by the end of the calendar year. Town were in, in fifth. But players that had made their debut over that period of time, uh, Kelvin Davis, excellent keeper, but you know, there's, that, it's very difficult for me as a non-professional footballer to kind of list players' names and say that they're not very good. But I think we would agree that the likes of Drissa Diallo that came in, George Santos, uh, Chris Bart Williams joined with a sprinkling of um, who do we have? Matt, Matt Bloomfield was in there, and uh, Sam Morrow, Gerard Nash. But the the player I want to speak to you about, um, we, we've talked about Pablo. You, you mentioned Marcus Stewart and stuff, but I think it was around November time that uh, October time, Shefki Kucci yes. joined. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're coming up with a you know, ultimate strike partnerships and stuff. You know, certainly um, Bent and, and Cucci would have been one. What, what was he like when, when he came? Oh, incredible. I mean, he's, he's up there. Like, I've, listen, I've played with better strike partners in terms of better players, like people like Emil Heskey, Kevin Jones. But if you talk about your favourite, he'd be up there, maybe top of the list, because he, he worked incredibly. You would have seen him. He worked incredibly hard. He used to chase absolutely everything. You could, No one could beat him in the air. Like in the aim is incredible. He jumped higher than anyone. He's touched at times, uh, but this is what this is what some like, <laughs> is that he, he, what a guy, incredible guy. I spent a lot of time with him. Finished training, we'd go and eat. I'd go around his house in the evenings. He'd come around mine. Um, but what summed up Chef? We played a game against Rotherham away. I think it was. And again, absolute pelters from Jim, as you can imagine. Jim's giving him pelters, like he's, he's bouncing off him. He's coming off his shin. Like someone puts a ball into the box, open goal, he puts it over the bar, right? Jim shouted at him, Yo, crap, you're this, you're that. Honestly, going mad, right? Chef Geese is fuming now because I'm looking at his face and he didn't really get angry, but he wants to kill Jim. He's fuming. <laughs> he hits the ball about 25 yards out, 30 yards out, and he hits this shot and it just goes <laughs> top corner. In the celebration, he's trying to run to get to Jim. He's trying to get to Jim. He's got about four or five guys. <laughs> Jumping at him, holding him. Chef, no. He's going, I told you, I told you. Like, honestly, screaming at Jim. It's, it's, <laughs> so, it's so funny. He's getting crazy. But that, that was Chef in a nutshell. Is that the simple stuff we go, Chef, come on. What, what's that? And then you can just produce something where you just go, bang. Like, and obviously our, our kind of strike partnership was obviously the best the last year that I was there because I had 20 goals and he had 20 goals. It was just like, it was incredible playing with him. But selfless, would work hard for the team. You're always going to be going to get, yeah, of course, he was a bit raw. Technique weren't the best, but could always score goals. 
You are a typical striker, you are. You know, they always say their favourite player is the one who does all their running, yeah. all the donkey work, and they score all the goals. Michael Owen, who's your favourite striker to play with? Emil Heskey. Emil Heskey. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Fan fantastic. He, he was a great player. Did Were you ever tempted to try um, the swan dive celebration yourself? Never. I mean, when he, when he first did that, I'm going to sound chef. But it does not hurt. He was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I mean, he was, when I say he was a great guy, I mean, he was massive, like huge in terms of just, when he took his shot off, ripped. But even where he lived, like he lived in, I think he lived out, out near Hadley, I think, in this massive house, which he was renting, like he had all old furniture in there. He had a golf course in his back garden. And I was like, chef, do you play golf? He was like, no. That's why, why, like, why do you live here? So we'd, we'd go out there, we'd just hit golf ball, play football, foot golf. Like, but he was just a great, all-round great guy, like great guy. I know, I know for a fact he's tried to, to get back to the football club in some kind of capacity coaching. It's not quite happened for him, but yeah, really, really good guy. He's another one who I'm guessing the fans would call him like a cult hero because he was just fantastic. Yeah. It was March 2004, uh, your first professional hat-trick um, at Walsall. 20 years and, and, and 39 days. Uh, not not the youngest hat-trick scorer for town. Dean Bowditch has got that. But um, how, did, how did that feel once you got three? Yeah, it was nice because Dean, Dean gets his hat-trick the week later, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was disappointed because he got his live on Sky. I got mine on like, a Tuesday night. with about 3,000 people there. So <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, again, I can remember it like it was yesterday because first half I was having one. Couldn't do anything first half. And then even my first goal, if you look at it, Jermaine Wright has a shot, the keeper parries it, and I tap the rebound in. But if you look at my contact, when I put it in, I bobble it into the ground, it bounces over the line, like I couldn't do anything. But then kind of that gave me the confidence. And then the next one, I think Jim Jordan rolls me through and I smash it in and the, the keeper probably should do better, but he doesn't. And then the, the last one's a routine cutback, I put it in the net. But I remember it was it was brilliant. I still got the match ball set upstairs, all the lads sign it. I remember Jim's message on it, which is quite funny, was about time you did this. <laughs> that, that was Jim's message. But no, again, a great day. Um, obviously, Dean kind of made his debut. Not made his debut, he played in that game. Played really well. And we started to develop a real understanding, me and, and, and Dean Bowditch. But yeah, again, to score your first hat-trick for town away at Warsaw, um, yeah, it was fantastic. How many hat-tricks did you score in your career? Four or five? Not many, you know. You know the exact number, is it four or five? <laughs> Acting like you know four or five. But were any of those hat tricks ones where you scored a penalty as well for the third goal? I, I'm never keen when a striker does that. Um, I'd rather see them score in open play. Yeah, one was Bolton. No, Bolton was the Bolton was the second one was a pen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, coming towards the end of 2003, four, you. You, you scored in a home win, uh, an away win at Wimbledon. Uh, we lost at home. You scored. We lost at home to West Brom, and uh, we won, uh, like you say, away to uh, Rotherham. And also, you scored in a game away to Gillingham. Which fast forwards us to we've we've reached the playoffs. Whoa. How how did that how did that feel at that point? Um, you know that we did did you kind of recognise that actually this was a this was a real step up and this is every, where everybody wanted to be. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing because I, I can remember, I know two of them seasons, because we lost to West Ham both times, didn't we? I remember two of them seasons, 
first half of the season we were outstanding. And I can remember one of them, it might have been the second season, where I'm driving home with Matt Richards in the car. And I remember saying to him, I can't see how we're not going to get promoted. Like, this, this town side is, we're playing as good as we've played in a long time. I can't see how, how we're not going to get promoted. But as you said, we, we go to West Ham again and we just couldn't get over the line. West Ham just had our number. Um, I think the second time they had like Marlon Harewood, Bobby Zamora, um, that's some good, uh, David Connolly, who used to absolutely tear us to pieces every time we played against them. We just couldn't live with them. And they, they unfortunately, they um, they beat us twice in, in two of the playoffs. But it was disappointing because I think with the side that we had at Ipswich Town at that time and the football that we played, the exciting football we played, we just lost our nerve at the wrong time. Like we lost our nerve twice against West Ham. And, and the first one probably hurts more because we won the first leg 1 0. Is this the one you're talking about? Yeah, who scored in that game? Do you remember? <laughs> mm. so we win that one, though, and that was the disappointing thing because we dominated that first game. We get the goal, and then we let it slip again in that second leg. So it was. But well, West Ham's always a tough place to go. You know, Kieran will, will know that. Upton Park, when them fans get on side, incredibly tough place to go. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the the home leg when when you scored just before the before the hour. It's one of those games as a fan that I think you know you remember the noise, and I, I, I remember that. The, the second leg, like you say, was a huge disappointment, and I think there was two second half goals. I think from West Ham, and it was there was always it was always coming in that in in that game. So how how did you pick yourself up, you know, during during that season? Because you know, at the end of two thousand three four, your career, uh, you ninety two appearances and, and scored thirty six goals. So you know, you're scoring at a a good rate. But you know, did you think that two thousand four five? Did you think it was going to be that the season that town would uh, would um, get promoted and also did you at what point did you realise that might be your, your last season with town? Well I, I, I'd spoke to, to Joe Royal at the end of that um, I think it was the 3-4 season and I remember him saying to me um, give me one more year just give me one more year because I said okay I'll, I'll stay for another year because I was, I was obviously I'd spoke to, to Charm before they were interested I think Everton was a team match at City um, and I said okay I'll give you one more year because as I said I've been playing. I've been playing in the, in, against other teams like Dean Ashton was moving to the Premier League. He was flying in Norwich. Colton Cole was having his loan spells at like um, Villa. I think he would have been at the time. But these guys obviously playing the Premier League. I think well, I, I want to get there. I, I need to be part of this. So I remember saying to Joe, "Okay, one more year. I hope we get promoted. But if it's if it's only one more year, then like for my own development, I need to to, to test myself at the in the, in the Premier League like playing week in week out." He was like, "All right, give me give me one more year." And obviously that, that last year, um, I gave it everything. Like, oh, I think we all gave it everything. We played, Chefy played really well. I played really well that season. Kelvin was phenomenal all that last season. Um, we had so many good players. I think like, Alan Mann came in that year. Kevin Horlock came in. He was a good player, Kevin Horlock. Tommy Miller was playing really, really well. So we had a really good team. So then when we got to the end of it and we didn't get promoted again, it was just like, oh, that took the wind out of ourselves because I think after that game, I left. I think Tommy Millis left, Kelvin left, Sheffy left. I think a fair few of the squad left. So I think that was kind of our last chance, all of us, to kind of get this team promoted. I think, yeah, there were 69 goals that uh, between yeah. you, Coochie and Tommy Miller. Um, we go back to de- December of that season. You, you scored your 10th goal of the season by, by December. Um, that was in a game that was away to, to QPR. And the reason that this kind of stood out for me was uh, another Darren's debut, Darren Curry, and mm-hmm. I just wondered how he he impacted on your game. You know, he's a fantastic player, and you know the passes that he could make, and just your thoughts on him. Technically unbelievable, 
honestly brilliant. I've never seen someone who, like, he weren't the quickest at all, but he always had that yard of space where he could just chop, he'd tend to cross, chop. And he was, again, not one of them players where you knew exactly what he was going to do and you still couldn't stop him. So I think, right, I know he's going to chop back, but he'd pretend to shoot, I'd go, oh, no, he's going to shoot. Dive in and just chop it back again. He was incredible. And that game there, I remember, we wore the orange kit, 1-4-2. Um, well, yeah, it was a really, really good game. I remember he scored in his day, he scored a really nice goal, if I can remember rightly. Um, and he was, yeah, a really good guy, but not really on the pitch, off the pitch as well. Really good guy, uh, spoke really well, was friendly, couldn't do enough for people, wanted to see people get better. And again, he was a typical kind of character that we needed in that dressing room at the time, as you said, but he brought a lot of other players in that necessarily didn't work. Darren Curry was definitely one that did work. I'm glad you gave him credit because I'm going on and you speak to a lot of strikers. If a winger's got half a yard, They've made their run. They want that ball delivered. Yeah. The moment of the run. Once you chop back, they go mental, don't they? Usually. Yeah. You're obviously you got an understanding and you were obviously anticipated the chop back to then make your next run. Mm. But I know just the Shearers, the Owens, all the top strikers, they used to if you've got half a yard and you used to chop back and they'd go mad. Get yeah. the ball in. What I've just yeah. took my wings. They're so selfish and yeah. driven. So I, again, as a fan watching from the outside, he was a player that excited me. You knew it was coming. It's a bit like Mahrez today. You know the chop's coming. Yeah. But if you don't dive in and try and stop the left foot, it will pit in the top corner. So you have to, and he just chops you inside yeah. out. I love it. Yeah. He was a good player. He was good. You, you scored some iconic goals, Darren, and, and, and none more so, in my opinion, than um, December the 21st, two, 2004, we were playing Paul Jules Wigan at, at Portman Road, uh, one nil down after a fantastic. Uh, oh Bainsy, Bainsy hit one from about thirty yards, didn't he? Hmm. So, what, what, just interesting because what I remember about that game it was like a real foggy day or misty day, and there was there was rumours that the game might be off. But um, we're one nil down, and uh, Bam Bam gets us to one one, and we're going right late into the game. And I just wonder if you can kind of talk us through what you what you remember <laughs> about that. Yeah, as you said there, I, mean, I remember Bainsey. I, I knew Bainsey really well, I know him really well. We've been in England youth together and I remember him hitting this rocket. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like it's the best goal I think I've ever seen at Portman Road, by the way, that goal that he scored. And then Bam Bam scores the header. And I remember we're, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing. But I remember it's just a long clearance. And I remember it, someone puts it down the line and I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get to this. But I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get to it, control it and bring someone else in. And at the like, kind of about... Maybe two seconds before, no, probably about a second before. As I'm running towards the ball, I look up and the keeper's like nowhere to be seen. Like he's almost like he kind of got caught in no man's land. So I'm going, you know what? I'm going to have a go in. Like regardless whether it goes or not, I've got to have a go because he's so far off his line. If I get this right, it's going to be a goal. And obviously I managed to get it completely right where I've got to hook it straight over his head. But again, when we beat them, I thought, because they had a really good team, we good. I think they had Roberts and Ellington up front that used to cause us problems all the time. So yeah, J Jimmy Bullard was in that yeah. team as well. John Phelan was the keeper. And obviously that 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 late goal put us top at, at Christmas, uh, jumped ahead of Wigan. Um, and everything was aligning, I would say, that we were, you know, as you mentioned, you, you know, your last season was was really good. And I think just having a look here, the um it wasn't the first time that we that we went top. Um, but we were top suddenly from that point until <clears throat> until we played Watford in February 2005 when we, we lost at home 2-1. Two, two 
during that time, um, obviously you had uh, scored two against Coventry. We, we beat them and, and, and away to Reading. March 2005, we hit, hit Forest for, for six. I think Tommy Miller got, got a hat-trick and you scored in that. You then had a double at home to, to Rotherham in a 4-3 in a win. And then you scored in a goal in a draw against Leeds. But I want to take you to April 2005. We were at home to, to Sunderland. Um, the, any thoughts at that point, you know, when you were getting to this stage, you're actually thinking, if, if, we, don't, if we don't get promoted and we go into the lottery of the, the, the playoffs, that it might be your last game? Because on, on that game against Sunderland, aged 21 years and 71 days, you, you scored your 56th and, and, and final goal for town. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I weren't sure that was ever going to be my last one. Um, but I can remember, obviously, as the game. Um, but again, because we were playing so well that season, we should have got promoted automatically, 100%. Because, we, as you said, we were top of Christmas. We were playing really well. Playing entertainment, entertainment football, as you said, we absolutely smashed. I think we smashed Forest 6 that week. I think we'd be crew the following week 4. So we were, we were playing really well at that time. But again, the playoffs. When we, when we, we played that game against Sunderland, it was like, okay. We still thought we had more than enough. Because of the previous experiences of going out in the playoffs, we thought, you know, we, we, we've got a chance here. We, we can do that. But then when we draw West Ham again and get beat by them again, it's just like, oh. and, to be fair, and to be fair, we didn't show up in any of the games, at home or away. I think we played the home game. I think we played the away game first this time. And we yeah, we played the, the, the away game. I think we were 2-0 we were down. Um, yeah. And then uh, keeper, um, Jimmy Walker, Scores an own goal, I think, from a Tommy Miller free free kick, and um, Coochie gets one in the second half, and it's two two. But for me, been quite a few low points as a town fan sitting in in Portman Road, and that certainly was that that night. Um, Bobby Bobby Zamora, well, Mark, um, yeah, Bobby Zamora scored two in the second half, and 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 that really felt like it was a, an end of an era, particularly mm. with the the likes of you and and, and Shefki and, and Tommy Miller moving on. Um, Fantastic record. How, how, how does a player? How does a player leave a club? How do you say goodbyes? You know, when do people hear about this? Do you even get a, a chance? And you know what, what? What kind of happened at the end of that season for you? Yeah, it was tough, um, but it was funny because we, we we lost in the playoffs to West. I remember going home, and I remember I think it might be the next day or the day after. I get a phone call from David Manassi. It was um, that Alan Kirby had called up. After we lost that West Ham, the next morning he called up. I want to buy Darren. Like I'm, I'm on first leave. I want to be able to talk to him. And because I'd said one more year, they gave me permission to, to talk to Alan Kirbishley. So after about two days, I'd have set the phone call. They want me to go there. I was more than happy to go. I wanted to go. Um, but I remember having a conversation with Joe Royal on the phone. I said thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, I've really enjoyed my time. I spoke to one or two of the other players who I was close with as well. Um, I remember having a really good chat with Matt Holland. Because obviously he, he was one of the main factors why I went to, to Charlton because he was there. Herman Horadison was there. I knew this person before. Um, Marcus Ben, obviously he come there later on, but I remember just having a real good conversation with some of these people and, and Joe Royal just saying, listen, you know, you're more than good enough now. You're ready for the Premier League. You've, you've scored a lot of goals for us this season. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Um, go and be a star in the Premier League. Go and show everyone what you're about. And, and that's what I tried to do. Do you remember that, Kieran, when, when Darren left? I do. And I just touched on it earlier when we were talking earlier and I was saying there's, there's not much loyalty in football with regards to clubs will soon get rid of players or players will 
soon desert a football club. And I think him being able to go the year before and Joe Rowe asked him, come on, give me one more year. And he knew he had three Premier League clubs waiting in the wing. Goes to show that he was loyal to the club. Um, and I think because of that loyalty, he should be commended. And obviously it was the perfect opportunity. I still think if he'd have left the season... Um, the season before, uh, I still think you would have been a success in the Premier League. I think you were ready, like you said, but you gave Ipswich another year when you didn't have to. So I think you should be commended for that. Um, and I've just, I didn't think about it at the time. And it's funny that you've had two playoff losses and I've had three. And we never even got to go to Wembley. <laughs> that, that even pays me more. You know, sometimes I think... I would have just liked to have gone to Wembley to put the day out for the whole fans. Okay, if we'd have lost, but at least we made it to Wembley. We didn't even make it to bloody Wembley. It's unbelievable. Mm. And then there was obviously the Mick with his, he had the, the one year with the playoffs, didn't make it to Wembley again. So I don't know. Is it seven times we've been in the playoffs and only once we've gone to Wembley or something like that? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And most people know this, but the, the day we played at Wembley, I was flying out to Jamaica on my honeymoon with my wife sitting next to me saying, where would you rather be um, watching Ipswich play at Wembley? And I was thinking, what are you going to say next? I'm going to have to lie about it. But yeah, yeah apparently yeah. I said three weeks to to, uh, to Jamaica was, was much better. Um, I'm looking at your career, uh, Darren, and, and kind of conscious of the time. And I, I don't particularly want to rush through through this last bit, you know, because you've Charlton broke into England big, Big money moves, and you know, I didn't realise this until I did did, did my research. Um, so yeah, kind of. I think if if, if we wrap it up at, at this point, but one of the things I kind of want to ask you is, you know, obviously the Ipswich Town now, where where they are in the in the third tier of of, of English football, um, is is this the season where we are going to get ourselves off to Wembley, or are we going to finish top two? I hope so. I mean, listen, I look out for it all the time. I, I hope so. I, I went to a couple of games last season to watch the team. Um, but that League One now is tough. Like, make no mistake about it. When you look at League One, Championship's tough, but I think almost this season, League One's going to be a lot tougher. When you look at some of the teams that are there, we know Sunderland have just got out of there, so they're not going to be there. When you look at the likes of Derby are now dropping down into that division, Sheffield Wednesday are still there, uh, Cholmen are there, there are some, Portsmouth are still there. There are some big teams in that League One, so you have to get off to a good start, I think. I don't think we'll be playing catch-up. This season's going to be one of them seasons where you can't play catch-up. You're going to have to get off to a good start. I know every team in that division, you go through a bit of a wobble, but you want to be having your wobble kind of like around Christmas time where you're still in the mix, then you can bounce back second half of the season and then go again. You don't want to be getting off to a horrendous start and then have to keep playing catch-up, keep playing catch-up. So I think Kieran would, would do a good job down there. Um... I think he did well in his short space of time he did last season. Um, but it's about bringing the right players in. I know they've got a war chest down there to spend, but I don't think that... I think Premier League can get away with it. Premier League can get away with buying whoever you want and just bringing them, putting them together. I don't think you can do that in League One or Championship. I think you've got to use the squad you've got, bring in maybe one or two and then try and kind of grow it. Like, it, it won't work. Paul Cook, I think it's Paul Cook, showed you when you try and buy 15 new players, it doesn't work. How did you find when you got the call? Because obviously managers in the past, they've, they've tried to get ex-players back involved, but it's usually the 78, 81 players. Yeah. And I always used to think it was a, a PR kind of stunt. Um, obviously, there's a lot made of Mark Ashton. Um, 
fans idolise him at the moment. They really like Kieran McKenna. So when you got the phone call that you, Darren Ambrose, I think James Scowcroft, Alan Lee, so it weren't just the old brigade, the new brigade were going to come in. They, I think you lot were invited to Portman Road. They could change yeah. you the presentation of how the team was going to play, be played. How did you find that? Was it was? Yeah, I mean, they, they, went, they went into great detail. I mean, obviously, they, they, they invited us there. Um, they showed us, obviously, the, back, the background of the football club, who owns the club, how much their own, how much um, the previous owner, I can't remember, uh, Marcus Evans owns. Uh, they showed us all that kind of stuff. Then they showed us training methods, what he wants to do, what, how he sees the club. And it was good. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, it was decent. But I, I've always been under the opinion, I get that. It's, like, it's always nice to know that type of stuff. But the most important things on the pitch and in the, on, on the training ground, like you, you can show me all these kind of numbers and figures of what you've got and what you're going to do in the community, which is all really important. I get all that community work. I get all that. But ultimately, it's what happens on the pitch. Now, if you're doing well on the training pitch and what you're doing on the, on the match day and it's working, you win your games, everything else will take care of itself. But that's, that's the most important thing, I think. I know, as I said, a lot of clubs talk about the community and that's the most important thing. Well, no, the, the most important thing is the pitch. If the team's winning and playing well, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. Because if it's just winning, getting promoted, that draws a bigger fan base in. You get more people that want, in the community want to get involved. You get some better kids in the academy. It all stems from there. But for me, everything's got to get right on the pitch first before you can start worrying about anything else. And my last question, and I know you probably don't want to gloat and say <laughs> I told you so, but you were the, one of the very first people to talk about Paul Lambert <laughs> oh, I told you. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, you did. You did. To be fair, you you've been you've been online. You've been on Talk Sport. You've been on all these things, and you you said your say. You had your say about him, and like I said, I know you don't want to gloat because it was proven right that he kind of failed as an Ipswich Town manager. But how did, you, how did it? How did you? Obviously, you got banished to the reserves. How 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 did this all come about? <laughs> So our relationship was kind of strange because, um, of course, people know I've got no real like, love for him. Um, but ours was weird because I remember I was away. When they sacked Alex McLeish, uh, my phone rings. I mean, St. Bart's at the time on holiday. My phone rings. Uh, it's Paul Lambert. Like, well, I don't know the number. Hello, Darren, it's Paul Lambert. Oh, how are you doing? You're right. Yeah, I'm the new manager. How are you doing? He wanted me to talk to him about the squad. So I spent about half an hour on the phone to him, obviously speaking about last season, what I thought, rather, rather, rather. Couple of days later, I'm still on holiday. He's calling me every every couple of days. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? I'm like, cool. So we come back. He makes me captain. Something like, oh, good, good, good. Um, and all of a sudden, it seemed to just change overnight. So we play. He, he wants he wants to bring Benteke in, and then I said, that's fair enough. He said, I want to play you two together. We don't get us to the best of starts anyway that season. But the relationship just kind of just went from from nothing. So we I remember we played Manchester City in the cup in the week and I'd, be, I'd play the Premier League on the Saturday and he went listen Darren I'm going to rest you um, I'm going to rest you uh, for this game and no but sorry before that before that it was the whole captaincy thing so I come in to, I can't remember who we were playing and he goes to me Darren have a word with you I'm like, well yeah no worries I come over he's like listen um, I'm going to take the captaincy off you not because I don't think you're doing a bad job but I want you to just focus on scoring goals um I don't want you to have too much pressure about worrying about this and the other. I went, okay, fair enough. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Um, then Ron Vlaric comes up to me in the change room and goes, oh, 
did the manager speak to you about the captaincy? I went, oh yeah, he said, I'm not going to be captain. He just told me now, first time I've heard of it. But oh, and he told me last week, a couple of weeks ago, that I was going to be the captain, right? So that was the start of it. So I said, okay, fair enough, if that's what he wants to do. And then we play Man City in the cup. And he says to me on the Saturday, on the Tuesday, listen, we've got Man City tomorrow. I'm going to rest you for the Man City game because I want you fresh for West Brom on Saturday. I'm like, all right, cool, no worries. Play West Brom Man City, we win 4-2, um, play really well. Comes in on the Saturday now, we're sitting there for the team to, pulls the sheet of paper up, team up on the bench. When, what? So I go and see him and I said, I, I, thought, I thought I was resting in the week for me to play against West Brom. He's like, yeah, I was thinking that, but no, um, like the team played really well, so I'm going to leave you on the bench. Um, but yeah, just um, support your teammate. He said something like quite patronising. So that, that really lost me. Anyway, I come on, we're losing 1-0. I score, one all celebrate like crazy. I'm about to run to the bench. People are running, like, jumping on my back and everything. Like, it's funny. Yeah, celebration. Yeah, yeah. honestly, run to the bench. But from that, it just went mad. So obviously, like, he didn't then play me and he tried to leave me out of squads. And then we played Fulham away. And, and this was that kind of, what broke it completely in half. We played Fulham away. Now, all season, he'd been allowing players to leave straight from stadiums. Like, so Shea Given was, was in Manchester, go straight home. Wherever we were, people would just stand there for our centre. We get beat by Fulham and I don't get on the team coach. I go off and I'm going out in London or whatever. So I don't get on the team coach. I leave. We've got an open training session on the Monday. He goes, oh, all, lads, all coming to the change room. Before we go out, I need to talk to you, love. He's like, right. Um, disappointment result on Saturday. And he looks at me and he goes, and you, if you ever effing do that again, leave the squad. Da, 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 da. I'm like, hold on a second here. You've let everyone else do this all season, make a mockery of it all season. But don't have a go at me now because you've been beat by Fulham and you're pissed off about it. Don't have a go at me because these people have been doing it all season. And he's like, you should be doing that. You should know better. I'm like, I just told you, if you'd have said that at the start of the season, then I wouldn't have done it. But you've let everyone do it all season. So you can't be saying having a go at me now. So we're arguing back and forth, screaming at each other in the change room. And from that, we, we barely spoke after that. I, don't think, I think we said two words to each other. He left me out of squads, put me in the stands, made me travel by sitting in the stands. Honestly, he tried everything. Absolutely everything. Mad. Still crazy how, uh, as a player, listening to players from different eras and that, when the team sheet goes up and you, if you dropped and the manager hasn't pulled you beside, that is a no-go for most players, isn't it? No. To be found out. When that comes up, I've seen the disappointment, but most managers I've had. Remember George used to used to meet an hour and a half and about 10 minutes in, he used to come and give the curly finger to yeah. someone. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, he's not playing. He's being yeah. dropped. So, yeah. Yeah, to be a go from club captain to finding out on a team sheet you're not playing, not good. But it was poor. But that's when, when he got the Ipswich Town job, and yeah. people asked me about it. That's why I said he was the wrong, the wrong man for the job because he is all about himself. He's someone that needs to be in complete control of everything. And when when you go to a family club like Ipswich, they've got good heritage, good people, people that people that are respectful. He's not that person. Do you know what I mean? He's not that person. He's not the type of person that would that would kind of buy into that. It's all it's all about him. He did it at Villa. A, a massive club like Villa, he did the exact same, made it all about himself. People there hated him. Went to Ipswich, it was never ever going to work. Yeah. Plus, he was a Norwich man as well. Exactly. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I've, Brilliant. I've got two quick questions. One, what was it like at Villa when Roy Keane was uh, Paul Lambert's assistant? I liked Roy. Got massive respect for it. I got on really well with him. I was one of the rare ones that did get on with him. Um, 
but he did a lot of Paul Lambert's work because after games, Paul Lambert would try and say something and the lads would look at him like, yeah, or right, whatever. Roy Keane would start to let off and people were like, whoa, like, what's happening here? So, no, he was good. Like, Roy really enjoyed working with him. Good coach, good player. I mean, when he used to join in and training, wow, incredible. But now, he, I think a lot of misinformation about Roy, but I, I got on really well with him. Personally, I got on well with him. Great. Last question. I just had a look. You've got nearly half a million followers on on Twitter, and like I said at the start of the show, you were you were waiting for a train, and you asked people to you know if they've got any questions for you. And I had a look at that, and then just kind of wanted to know two two things. Um, what's it like to interact with with fans in that way? And 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 two, if if Kieran joined Twitter, would he would he get more followers than you? Yeah, he get loads of followers. I mean, listen, most football fans out there are okay now. If you're going to be on social media, you better be able to, you better have thick skin because certainly when what I do, talk sport, people are always looking to say something, hold on, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So, of course, on the quick, you do that question and answer, you're going to get some donuts on there that are going to just be idiots. But he's just kind of, I'm just like, I can now laugh it off. Now, of course, Kieran, if Kieran got in there, he's going to have loads of Newcastle fans, Ipswich fans, West Ham fans that are going to want to talk to him. Yeah, he's going to obviously get idiots. Do you know what I mean? But that's just everything. But I guarantee the majority of them wanted to ask him, oh, what was he like? What was it like there? Like Bobby, he played under Bobby Robson. Everyone wants to hear about Bobby Robson. Everybody. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Get on it. Nah, I'll be I'll be interacting with too many of the idiots. That's <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we shall see. Darren, thank you ever so much for your time. I really You're appreciate welcome. that. Um, yeah. you you certainly were a, a, an icon, icon and a goal scoring icon at Ipswich. So, um, wish you the best of luck, and we can tune in to Talk Sport to, to hear you tomorrow morning, I guess. Four till seven, not tomorrow morning, four till seven. Four till seven, tomorrow afternoon. There you go. I will listen to it in the afternoon then. That's why I always miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Take um, care. No worries at all. That man, Benny. 